Evangela. Let's take a Bibles, please, and turn to Romans chapter 10. And let's look the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to take the Word of God, to be able to open it up and to read it. We thank you that in its pages contained, Father God, is the revelation of God to mankind. We thank you, Father God, for this divine truth. We thank you that it is, is available to us to read, to study, to understand. And we thank you, Father God, that uh, you've given us wisdom through your spirit to understand. And we do pray that, Lord, today as we open up your word, that you would just guide our thoughts, guide our time. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us through your word and bless us by it, challenge us by it, Father God, and give me wisdom, I pray, as I uh, speak your word this morning, that, Lord, I might uh, bring glory to your name, and we might gain something from this passage that we are blessing to our hearts. Guide our time now, Father God, in this place, and we'll be sure to give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. In Romans chapter 10, the Apostle Paul here is said to show why God rejected the nation of Israel, stating that the rejection of Israel by God was simply because Israel had rejected God first. And having stated the reasons for Israel's rejection in the first 13 verses of Romans chapter 10, Romans goes on now to give us the remedy for their rejection in verses 14 to 17 and the results of their rejection in verses uh, 18 to 21. And today what we're going to consider is the remedy for Israel's rejection in Romans 10, 14 to 17. You know, one of the truths that we understand about the nation of Israel, that Israel had come to view, God, view that God was only interested in Israel. And because they thought that Israel was the only people God cared about, they rejected, they despised the Gentiles. And they indeed thought the only way that a Gentile could be saved was for them to be proselytized. I knew I'd get that wrong. Okay? They would make them proselytes of Israel. But God has always intended that Gentiles could be saved. All the way through the Old Testament and all the way through the New Testament, God has always desired that not only the Jews but the Gentiles be saved. The problem was Israel was so full of its own self-righteousness that they were all a little bit like Jonah, who got angry when God started saving the Ninevites. The nation of Israel didn't like it when God started saving the Gentiles. God's salvation was always a whosoever salvation, was a whosoever gospel. And that's verse 13 here. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's why God sent his prophets like Jonah. That's why God sent his apostles like Paul, to preach about Christ. What Paul goes on to say in Romans 10, 14 to 17 is simply a validation, if you like, of his own apostleship. It wasn't that he hated the Jews as to why he was writing what he was writing about them in the first chapters of this book through chapter 8. It wasn't that he hated the Jews and didn't have any time for them. He loved the Jews. But what he was saying was not anything new. What he was preaching was not anything new. After all, it was Joel who had first said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
the quote from Romans 10.13 is an Old Testament quote. God has always desired that all men be saved, that no one should perish, Jew and Gentile. It was the Jews that misunderstood God's teaching. Paul is now trying to correct that understanding. And it's not that he hates the Jews, he loves them. But he wants to understand that God's message has always been a whosoever gospel. And so in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 to 17, we have explained to us the way that both Jew and Gentile could call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. So firstly, this morning, we're told that the gospel must be proclaimed or the gospel must be heralded in verses 14 and 15. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? Now shall they believe on him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. In these verses, we have the beginning of an argument that extends for several verses. And the point of the argument is to prove that, uh, from another point of view, the universality of the gospel. Hebrews, uh, Romans has already explained to us that the gospel is available to all. There is no one excluded from the gospel. And these next section, this next section of Romans 10 is all about demonstrating the universality of the gospel, that all men might be saved. And in verses 14 and 15, we're given both a definition of what a person must believe to be born again, to be a Christian, as well as a job description for believers. You know, the gospel is general. If the gospel is designed for all, if its language is that of whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, then it's inevitable that the gospel must be preached everywhere. If whosoever will may be saved, then the gospel must be preached everywhere so that everyone has an opportunity to be saved. For how can they call on the Lord if they've not heard? This is verse 14. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? If a man is to be saved, he must call upon the Lord. But people cannot call upon the Lord unless first they believe that Christ died, was buried and rose again the third day, so that they might be saved. They have to believe to be saved. In order to call upon the name of the Lord, they have to believe in the name of the Lord. They have to understand who Christ is. They have to understand what Christ did. They have to understand that salvation is found in Christ and Christ alone, that they are sinners before a holy God in need of a Savior. In order to be saved, they have to call upon the Lord, but first they have to believe the gospel. They have to believe in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Christ. And if they are to believe, they must hear the gospel. That's what verse 14 says. How shall they believe on him whom they have not heard? They have to hear the gospel preached. They have to hear the gospel message. And if they're going to hear, they need a preacher. Now the word preacher here is the idea of a herald. Someone must tell them about the Savior says there at the end of verse 14, and how shall they hear without a preacher? Someone has to go. 
and tell the unsaved that they need a Savior. And for that reason, God has chosen to send some to go and preach. Verse 15, And how shall they preach except they be sent? God has sent forth his laborers into his harvest field that people might hear the gospel and be saved. Somebody said the spread of the gospel is dependent on a living messenger. Now God could have chosen any means he likes in order to get his message out to an unsaved world. He could have chosen multiple means by which God decided to get the message of salvation to the unsaved. He could have sent angelic beings to proclaim the message. He could have done it by vision or some other means. But God has chosen to use the foolishness of preaching to be the means of getting the gospel out. God's chosen method, if you like, of bringing people to Christ is through the preaching of the gospel. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. God says he will save those that believe who hear the foolishness of the preaching of the gospel. God's chosen method of getting this message out so that people might hear, so that people might believe, so that people might call upon the name of the Lord is via the preaching of of the gospel. That's the job description. That's our job description. Because God has sent us into the world to preach the gospel. Isn't that what Matthew 28 says? Matthew 28 and verse 19, which I know we all know well. Matthew 28, 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lying with you always, even at the end of the world. Amen. This is our job description. And God has said, how shall they hear without a preacher, and how shall they preach unless they be sent? And God says, I have sent you. Go ye therefore into all the world. As my puts it, and, and preach the gospel. You and I are God's called messengers. We're the ones God has chosen to go forth with the message so that people might hear, so that they might believe, and they might call upon the name of the Lord. It's interesting here in verse 15 where it says, And how shall they preach except they be sent? The word sent there is the same from the same root word in Greek that we get the word apostle. And in the Latin, the word sent is the word missa. And it's that word where we get our word missionary from. Someone who is sent forth with the gospel. In the Old Testament, the ones that God sent with the message was the prophets. To proclaim the message of salvation to the nations. In the New Testament, God sent firstly the apostles, then the disciples out to proclaim the gospel. And today, he has now sent you and I into the world to be his witnesses. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. 
talking to the disciples. He says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and under the uttermost parts of the earth. You and I have received power so that you and I might be witnesses unto him. That you and I might preach the gospel. That you and I might go forth. We have been sent by the Lord to proclaim the gospel so that people might hear it, that they might believe it, and they might call upon the name of the Lord. Numbers chapter 10, verse 15b, the second half of the verse, is a quote from Isaiah 52, verse 7. Where he says this, And how shall they preach except they be sent? As is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. That second half of the verse after the question mark there is a quote, direct quote, from Isaiah 52 and verse 7. And Isaiah 52 tells the story, or Isaiah tells of the day when the gospel will be preached around the world. A day when the gospel of peace will sound forth from God's watchmen and Jerusalem will be comforted and the nations will be saved. In fact, in Isaiah 52 and verse 10, Isaiah goes on to say that all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of God, of our God rather. All the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. The message of Isaiah 52 is that it will go forth and uh, the gospel of peace will go forth, Jerusalem will be comforted, and then the name of the Lord, the gospel of the Lord, the message of the Lord shall go forth, this message of salvation to all the earth. You see, salvation, just as Isaiah said, 800 years before Christ, comes as a result, not of people doing good works, not of people keeping the law, but salvation comes by people hearing God's word, seeing the salvation of our God, and then believing that message, and then calling upon the name of the Lord to save them. And that's why preachers of the gospel, preachers of the good news, are in the eyes of God so precious that we're told that even their soiled feet are beautiful. See, Romans 10, 15, the idea of beautiful is worthy of much praise. You see, the preacher of the gospel, the one who goes forth with this wonderful truth of salvation, those of us who go forth and go into all the world and preach the gospel, as you and I go forth and we tell other people about Jesus Christ, God describes our feet as being beautiful. We are, they're worthy of praise because we're doing what God has called us to do. God saved you and I and left you and I here to be a witness to a lost and dying world. And when you and I fulfill our responsibility, when you and I go forth and we preach the gospel, God describes our feet as being beautiful. And it's no wonder those who preach the gospel, those who witness with Jesus Christ, have beautiful feet. Because you and I then partner with God for the salvation of men. There is no greater calling. There is no greater responsibility. There is no greater joy for you and I as believers than to you and I to witness for Jesus Christ, to testify, to herald forth the gospel so that men might be saved. And when we do that, 
We partner with God in the greatest task of all, the salvation of souls. And God describes our feet as beautiful. One commentator said, beautiful feet are not soft, manicured, painted, well-tanned feet. Pedicures don't make beautiful feet. Beautiful feet are like the dirty, worn, wrinkled, lethy, scarred feet from many miles of trekking into remote places with good news that could not be carried any other way. These beautiful feet that are spoken of here in Romans 10.15 speak of activity. The reason why God ties this, this phraseology of the gospel getting out, you know, how shall they hear, how shall they call on him whom they have believed, and how shall they believe on him that have not heard, and how shall they hear except without a preacher, and how shall they preach except they be sent, the reason why then God ties Isaiah 52 and verse 7 to that is because he wants you and I to understand that our feet are beautiful because it speaks of motion, it speaks of action, it speaks of progress. It's speaking about the fact that those who are going forth with the gospel are active in the work. They're moving in the work of preaching the gospel. That's why our feet are beautiful. And we know that the word gospel literally means good news. And preaching here is to herald. So those who are going forth, walking out, carrying out upon their feet the message of the gospel, we're heralding the good news. The good news that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, so that by faith, that all those who believe might be saved. We're heralding the gospel, proclaiming the gospel. We're going forth with our feet to proclaim the gospel. In the 5th century BC, when the Greeks were at war with the Persians, three great historic battles occurred. In one of the battles, the Battle of the Plain, so-called because it was occurred on the Marathon Plain, a man was commissioned to be a runner. And he was to take the message from the battlefield back to the city of Athens. He ran an entire, the entire distance. He ran the whole way, the 26 miles or the 42 kilometers from the plain of Marathon back to the city of Athens, which is, by the way, why we call races of 26 miles, 42 k's long, a marathon race because of this gentleman. He ran all the way from the plain of Marathon into the city of Athens to bring the gospel, to bring the good news of the Greek victory at Marathon. That's the imagery here. That you and I are using our feet to spread the gospel. We're running with the message to proclaim the victory of Christ at Calvary. He ran 26 miles to tell of a victory at the plain of Marathon back in the city of Athens, but you and I are to travel through our life as we serve the Lord. We're traveling, we're moving around, and our purpose is to bring the good news, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're to be like the, the herald of old, who would go from village to village announcing the good news, maybe of some victory, or of some glorious message from the king. And this is the idea here of preaching. 
And you understand the preaching here has nothing to do with the pastor. This is not talking about the pastor of the church that somehow, you know, pastor and I have beautiful feet. Okay, that's not what it's talking about here. It's talking about all of us. All of us who know Jesus Christ as Savior. If you and I are seeking opportunity to share the gospel, then God describes our feet as being beautiful because we are the preachers of the glorious message of salvation. We're taking the good news to a lost and dying world. And can there be any greater news than the gospel? Any greater news than the revelation that Jesus Christ left heaven's glory. He dwelt among men and he went to the cross of Calvary and there he willingly laid down his life for you and me, shed his precious blood, that he might indeed satisfy the righteous demands of a holy God. He was buried and rose again in victory three days later. So that now whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There is no greater message. There is no greater news that you and I could share than that news. That's why those who take it are said to have beautiful feet. God proclaims here that we have a remedy, that he has given us the remedy for man's sin. And that remedy is found in the word of God, in the proclamation of God's word. And the Lord says that if anyone will believe the word, if anyone by faith will believe in Jesus Christ, they shall be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, but someone must go. See, whether we like it or not, God chose you and me to be the means by which the gospel is proclaimed to the world. He could have used angels. He could have used a vision from heaven. But God chose you and I as his servants to proclaim the gospel. People need the Savior. People need to be saved. But unless they call upon the name of the Lord, they cannot be saved. And they cannot call unless they believe. And they cannot believe unless they are taught. And that's why the Lord has sent you and I, his preachers, into the world. Because how shall they hear without a preacher? Spurgeon said, someone must take the truth known to men. They will not find out about the Savior unless they are told of him. The gospel will not be revealed to men by any supernatural agency. We must go with it. They cannot learn it without being taught it. No man will know the gospel unless somebody shall tell it to them by word of mouth or by the gift of the book or a tract or a letter or by the open preaching of the word. Somebody must make it known to man. For how can he believe in him of whom he has not heard? And how can he hear without a preacher? You know, beloved, we've had to entrust to you and I one of the greatest privileges that God could entrust to anybody, and that's to be ambassadors for Christ. Look in 2 Corinthians, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 18. 
and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world in himself, not imputing their trespass unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. God's given us the ministry of reconciliation. He's given the word of reconciliation. And you and I have been declared ambassadors for Christ. To go forth, to pray that others would be reconciled unto God. That's our great privilege. That's the great responsibility that God has laid upon me and laid upon you. Each and every one of us know the Savior today, young and old. The glorious thing that God has done, the, the wonderful uh, privilege that you and I have, the responsibility that God has laid upon us is that you and I will be preachers of the gospel. And if you and I will go forth with the gospel, God has said that's worthy of praise. Because how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel. Unless every one of us proclaims the gospel, people will not hear. And if they don't hear, they'll not be saved. God sent out the Old Testament prophets. He sent out his apostle to preach the gospel in the New Testament to both the Jews and the Greeks. And he sent you and I to proclaim the gospel of the lost. But how shall they hear without a preacher? Secondly, this morning, not only does the gospel need to be proclaimed or heralded, there's another step required before the gospel can accomplish its work in the lives of men and women, and that is the gospel must be heeded. The gospel must be heralded and the gospel must be heeded. Look in verses 16 and 17. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You know, if salvation is so simple, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, which, and verse 13 says, Whoso shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If the gospel is so simple, if salvation is so simple, and if salvation is available to all who will trust in the personal work of Jesus Christ, then why is it that Israel wasn't saved? Why is it that Israel seemed to, cast off, seemed to be cast off from God? Paul comes back to the theme he's been talking about. Why is it that Israel has been rejected? If salvation is so clear, if salvation is so simple, if the gospel is so plain, and the gospel is available to all who will trust in Christ, why then is Israel cast off from God? Well, the answer is simple. It's because many among them had not obeyed the gospel. They had not believed God's report. Look in verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? The truth is for the nation of Israel in particular here, the truth is that they did not trust God's word. They did not believe the report of Isaiah. 
They did not believe the testimony of Isaiah where he testified about Christ. They didn't believe the testimony of the other Old Testament servants of God. They didn't believe the message of the prophets. They didn't believe the message of the gospel. Therefore, they were not saved. The problem was not God. The problem was not the lack of clarity in the message. The problem was not that his servants hadn't proclaimed that message. The problem was that they had not believed that message. They had not believed our report. You see, the message of the gospel had went, gone out. Throughout all the Old Testament, you can find the testimony of the gospel of the Word of God. You can find the testimony of a coming Messiah who will die for the sins of mankind and that the Old Testament saint had to base his faith and trust in the work of Jesus Christ's future on Calvary, where you and I place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ's past of what Calvary is, but, neither, but both sides of, of, of that uh, the cross are the same. It's by faith in the gospel, faith in the message that God proclaims. Faith in the personal work of Jesus Christ that brings about salvation and the message of gospel had gone out, but they had not obeyed. In fact, the majority of Israel did not believe God's word. And that's still the problem today, isn't it? The problem is not the effectiveness of the gospel, because whosoever will, will be saved. Whosoever is called upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the reality today. God is not willing that any should perish. That has never changed. If the whole of the world would turn to Christ and place their faith and trust in him, they would all be saved. There is nobody outside the reach of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anyone who believes can be saved. The problem is not the effectiveness of the gospel. The problem is not the effectiveness of, of God's message. The problem is many do not believe God's word. That's why they're not saved. Now here we have explained to us in verse 16 that the message, that I, the gospel that Isaiah preached and the gospel that Paul was sent out to proclaim and the gospel that you and I are sent forth to proclaim are the same. Verse 16. But they've not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah saith, who hath believed our report? The reason why the Jew is not saved is not they have not believed the report of Isaiah. The reason why Gentiles are not saved is because they've not believed the report of Isaiah. The same report that Isaiah gave is the report that Paul gave, it's the report that the apostles gave, it's the report that you and I give. Now Isaiah tells us that the report or the message that they had not received, he doesn't leave us in doubt, because back in Isaiah 52 where it says, uh, uh, where we read earlier, the first verse of Isaiah 53 is where we find these words, who hath believed our report? So the message that they've rejected is the message of the suffering Savior. Because Isaiah 53 is that great passage, isn't it? Let's go there, Isaiah 53.
Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. As a root of the dry ground, he hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Down to verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall, hear, he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide my him a portion with the great. He shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. That's the report that the Jews rejected. That's the report that the nation of Israel refused to accept. That's the good news that they did not believe. The reason why Israel was rejected by God was not because God was at fault. Because whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Anyone can be saved. The problem is they did not believe the report of the prophet about the suffering Savior. And the reason why people weren't saved in Paul's day is because they did not believe the report about the suffering Savior. And the reason why people aren't saved today is because they don't believe the report about the suffering Savior. The message they rejected was the message of hope. The message of one who would come and take upon himself the sins of the people, who would be wounded for our transgressions, who would die for our iniquities, who would die in our place that we might be saved. That's the message they rejected. That's the message that mankind rejects today. That's the message that you and I proclaim. The same report as Isaiah. For the most part, the nation of Israel was too caught up in their own self-righteousness that they failed to listen to the wonderful words of the gospel message. The same gospel message, the message of the suffering Savior that we preach today. For only in Christ can salvation be found. It's a powerful statement that's been made here in Romans chapter 10 about the nation of Israel. You see, it was not the case that they had not been preached to. They had, God had sent forth a preacher. And they'd heard the preacher speak. But they had not believed and they'd not called upon the name of the Lord. The problem was not God. The problem was not deficiency in the message. The message was clear and plain. Isaiah 53 makes it that way. Amongst other verses in the Old Testament. The problem today is not the message. 
The problem today is not this, God is not willing to save. The problem is people not willing to believe. The gospel message is the same today. The message of the suffering Savior is what we preach. For only Christ can save. Salvation is found in none other than Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.23 says, But we preach Christ crucified. 2 Corinthians 4.5 says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. Acts 4.12 tells us, Neither is salvation any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby man must be saved. And in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, we're given the basic summary of how a person can come to the point where they call upon the name of the Lord. It's simple. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You know, as I re- read this passage, what, what, what astounds me is how simple the message is. Remember we looked last week, it took 13 verses for the apostles to get to verse 13. Just tell you what he's been saying in a long way round. And what he says, what I've been saying is this, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the simple fact. And here is the simple truth. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We're challenged to go forth and herald the gospel because unless we do, men will not hear. Unless they hear, they won't be saved. They cannot call upon the name of the Lord. But the reason why you and I are to go forth with the gospel, the simplicity of the gospel, whosoever shall call upon the name, whosoever shall believe on him shall be saved, or whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, the reason why we are to go forth with that message is this. For faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You know, it's not by some mysterious methodology. It's not by some strange methodology. Remember we talked last week about the fact, you know, it's not the three-cup trick. You know, there's not the pee under a cup and saying, yeah, pick the one that it is. God made this salvation clear. God didn't hide it from anybody. This gospel message, this simple message is for all to see. And you and I had to go forth and take the gospel message to all men because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, saving faith only comes as people hear God's word, hear the truth of God's word, hear the truth of what God's word says about the Savior. We have in our possession, beloved, a great message. A message that men and women all across this land need to hear. A message of a Savior who died upon a cross of Calvary who was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon him, and by his stripes we can be healed. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the privilege we have to take forth this message of salvation. Spurgeon said, the truth of God should be spoken simply with as little as possible of the embellishments of metaphysics and philosophy 
and our culture and all that stuff. I say the word of God delivered as we find it is that which, when heard, brings faith to the souls of men. Beloved, there's only one Savior. That's Jesus Christ. There's only one message, and that's the gospel. And the Lord wants you and I to take the message of the gospel to a lost and dying world and tell them about a Savior who died for them. Because unless we do, they won't know Christ. As Jesus wept over Jerusalem, we should weep and pray over the souls of men. You don't need to remember that God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And that is why God has delivered to us the ministry of reconciliation. Let's never forget that the unsaved will never hear without a preacher. And therefore we need to take God's word, go forth to the lost world, and preach the truth believing that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you, Father God, for the testimony of Romans chapter 10. Lord, how simple it is for us to understand that we've had delivered unto us the glorious gospel message. And we've given, been given the great responsibility of taking that forth and proclaiming it to a lost and dying world so that faith might come by hearing and hearing by the word of God so they might call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Help us, Father God, to be diligent in our duty. Help us, Father, to have a vision and a passion for souls. And Lord, may your word have its desired effect in the heart of those that we witness to. And may they call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Commend your word to our hearts today, we pray. In Jesus' name.